Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30. I'm your host, Lisa Matthews, and I'm really enjoying the lead up to the spring equinox. We are stepping closer and closer each day, and while flowers are a little ways away from blooming, where I live at least, I know they're blooming in other areas, we have plenty of snow yet to go. I'm still enjoying feeling the, the rising energies, the sap rising in the trees, the light during the day lengthening. It's a really beautiful time. So I'm very excited to explore these themes of cycles with the wonderful author and priestess Stella Tomlinson in just a few moments. Though before I share more about her wonderful book, Cycles of Belonging, and her awesome thoughts on perimenopause as a rite of passage, I'm pretty excited to share today today's interview in case you haven't picked that up. Before I shift into the interview, I'll just briefly share about one of the ways that I love to celebrate the spring equinox, and that is within community. That is within circle. So I often will hold circles at the equinoxes and the solstices, and I'm really thrilled to be holding the spring equinox circle this year with a wonderful co-facilitator named Carolyn. This circle is for those wanting to experience yoga, ritual, and renewal in heart-centered community. We'll be meeting online on March 20th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard, And I'm really thrilled to weave in this gentle and nourishing yoga practice that Carolyn has planned for us. If you'd like to check out more on her, I absolutely love her YouTube channel. So I invite you to check that one out. You can search Yoga with Carolyn. And the spelling, which I really love, is C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-N-E. So a little different than the standard spelling, wanted to point that out so that you can find her, check out her beautiful YouTube channel, and you can also head to yogawithcarolyn.com. So if you are intrigued by this idea of the spring equinox circle, meeting in community, then feel welcome to head to combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. Got all the info there for you including the in-person gathering, which will happen in Rosland at my home studio on March 19th. So two different options depending on where you live. And while there are so many ways to celebrate the spring equinox, being in community is just one of them. It doesn't have to be a complicated ritual that you need to do by any stretch to celebrate spring can simply be acknowledging how beautiful that first flower is when you come across it. I know I am on flower spotting duty. (laughs) I'm keeping my eyes out. As I said, it'll probably be a little ways after the equinox where I live. We we have a few feet of snow to go first. So with that, I'm going to introduce our wonderful guest on today's episode and tell you a little bit more about her. Stella Tomlinson is an author and priestess sharing soul care for spiritually curious midlife women. Her most recent book is Cycles of Belonging, Honoring Ourselves Through the Sacred Cycles of Life, published by Womencraft Publishing. As a total side note, they are actually one of my favorite publishers because I have so many of their books. So getting back to Stella... Her offerings are based on over 20 years' experience in personal and spiritual development through meditation, yoga, mindfulness, energy healing, and goddess and nature spirituality. 
and she's been teaching and writing in this field since 2011. Stella's dearest wish is to help sensitive, soulful, midlife women discover the internal sense of safety, calm, and confidence they need to follow their soul's callings and live to their full potential. So I invite you to get cozy, grab a cup of tea, and settle in for this wonderful interview with Stella Tomlinson. Here we go. So excited to have you on the podcast. So thanks for bringing your wisdom, sharing your time with us, and great to meet you today, Stella. Thank you, and it's lovely to be here. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation and sharing um, some wisdom around uh, for highly sensitive people. (laughs) I love it. Love it. Yeah, we've got a lot to dive into. And I'm really curious to hear as your work is very, very specific. And I love the title of your most recent book, Cycles of Belonging. Just that speaks really deeply to me. And given that everyone has a story, everyone's had a journey. Just curious how you came to do what you do now. What led up to this point in your life? So it's been quite a long and winding road, as I think it often is on these journeys. Um, I guess I started off, um, well, in my working life, I used to work in internal communications and web content of of all things. But uh, I kind of ended up in that place, not really knowing really what I wanted to do in life and kind of just sort of fell into that in in some ways. Um, Though I like to think there was something there at my birth because I'm a priestess of Bridget, whose sacred festival is Imolk, um, sort of 1st, 2nd of February. And my birthday is the 2nd of February. So I rather like to think there was something there (laughs) at my birth which uh, was the presence of Bridget, um, because I was born two weeks early as well. So something about she was there at my birth and she's perhaps there guiding me from the sidelines. But I didn't really kind of reconnect or connect to her till much later in life. But um, so I guess movement and my kind of transition away from working in a more, um, what do they call it, mainstream workplace was I I used to teach... uh, yoga and meditation. I discovered yoga when I was 25. So yeah, 22 years ago now. And I taught yoga and meditation um, for about uh, 10 years up until a couple of years ago. But what really, really changed things for me is when I, at the age of 40 in 2015, there's kind of two key books I read that year. The first was um, The Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aron. I read that book. I think it was, I think it was perhaps a yoga teacher or yoga, fellow yoga student who introduced me to that book. And, and when mm. I read it, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will resonate with this for when they discovered about the trait of highly sensitivity, that it suddenly my whole life made a lot more sense. I made a lot more sense mm. to myself having read about this trait mm. and, and realizing that, no, I'm not crazy or super fragile or you know all these things which made because I felt like I didn't really fit into to a workplace and a lot of different things so so when I read that it really did help me to reframe my whole experience of life it helped me to find a much greater level of self-understanding and self-compassion in that I realised why I would often feel like I had, um, or in the past, why I felt like I had no boundaries because I, I was taking in so much around me, uh, why I would get um, very easily overwhelmed and overstimulated, why I had all those years of sitting in all these countless meetings, not knowing what to say, and then the most perfect, really in-depth answer and solution would come the next day <laughs> which is too late for the meeting <laughs> so and this is I think things which we highly sensitive people can often experience so 
So that was one yeah. big change. And I was teaching yoga by this point. So I, and I was writing. I started writing actually before I started teaching yoga. So I started a blog in 2010. That was called the Living Yoga Blog. So I started writing about high sensitivity then and telling everybody that I knew, you know, you know, because I think a lot of people who were highly sensitive were finding me anyway. I suppose the energy matched. Um, so, yeah, I started to write about it. But then a second big change for me in 2015 was reading a book called Code Red by Lisa Lister, which is about the menstrual cycle um, and the energetic and spiritual aspects of the menstrual cycle. And again, that was a massive reframing for me. It was a massive fire lit within me because I got angry. Why didn't I know this already? Why was I so disconnected mm. from my menstrual cycle? Why, mm. you know, it was just a, a monthly nuisance, an embarrassment up until that point. Um, but reading that book really helped me to make a deep connection to myself, again, with the extra layers of self-compassion and understanding by understanding now, really fully understanding why is a few days each month. I felt like, often felt like everything had gone wrong. Where was I? Why? What was the point of everything? You know, kind of drama, drama queen, kind of ups and downs. And it was because I was going into my premenstrual phase. And I didn't really truly appreciate that before. I thought I was just going a bit crazy each month kind of thing. So that was it. So those, so those, yeah, yeah. So those two, is two books and um, reading those two books. So that was, it was in 2015, the year I turned 40. Um, and yeah, so that just completely led to, as I said, a reframing of my life, a reframing of myself, making a deeper spiritual, embodied spiritual connection, which very much felt important to me and has done since, that my spiritual practices, my spirituality is embodied, not about transcending the body up to some sort of perfection outside or or sky gods and things like that it was very felt very important to me and that really resonated straight away this sense of an embodied spiritual connection through my cyclic nature and so since 2015 then I, I started to track my menstrual cycle which kind of seemed to, to almost naturally then lead me on to uh, connecting to the lunar cycle the wheel of the year and the seasonal cycles and um and then that led me on a journey to connect to the sacred feminine. I'd always had a feminist fire burning within me. I think it had gone a little bit into sort of slightly glowing embers through my 20s and maybe early 30s. <laughs> but it seemed to kind of come up again with strength. That fire was relit, which led me to, yeah, kind of discovery or reclaiming of feminine faces of the divine. Um really kind of looking at the patriarchal conditioning, cultural as well as spiritual and religious that I had experienced just through my life, just from be living in the culture that I live in. And, um, and then in 2017, I heard the call of Bridget to, um, to train to become her priestess. I visited um, Glastonbury, which is a very sacred site here in the south of um, England. It's got a huge connection to goddess, to the sacred feminine through the land. It has a connection to Bridget through a little area there called Bride's Mound. Bride being another name for the mm -hmm. goddess Bridget. And I feel, yeah, I, I picked mm -hmm. up, I went to, got to Glassby, picked up a leaflet about priestess training, even though I didn't even, didn't even know that was a thing. I just, I just saw these, these, these leaflets and felt my hand reaching out. It's like, what's going on here? Why am I picking these up? But I'm still <laughs> going to pick them up. And I took them home and yeah, and that kind of st started that journey. And then I trained, um, my priestess training was, it was in Glastonbury between 2018. And I initiated at the start of um, 2020, just before Imolk 2020. And then that, I guess, mm -hmm. yeah, led to me writing this book, Cycles of Belonging, because um, even though there are books, there are many books and increasingly more books out there about perhaps the different cycles, like the menstrual cycle, books about the lunar cycles, the wheel of the year. I hadn't come across one which, quite in this way at least, um, brought them all together. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the first person to map all these cycles and seasons, not and far from it. So you've got the work of Red School and you've got the work of uh, Vicky Noble. and um, But uh, 
I just, yeah, I just felt I hadn't come across a book which brought these things together quite the way that I have here. So I decided to, to write it, <laughs> which I did during 2020. Mm. <laughs> I love this. I love this. And as I'm listening to your journey and what a beautiful exploration it was and you it sounds like you were you were pulled and called in particular directions and that you had just the right the right books coming across your path at the right time and yeah just reflecting on my own and I'm like oh interesting I was um inverse in the sense of I started uh, very much seasonally and have been part of a medicine wheel with my mentor for I don't even know how many years now <laughs> before that, walking the the wheel of the year and exploring how the different seasons affected me and things started making sense like, oh, in spring, I really need to do a lot of extra grounding and still create that slowness because it can be a bit of a choppy change from the inward of winter to that burst of growth with spring. So I realized as a sensitive, I'm like, oh, this this is okay. I'm just feeling the energies changing through the year. And it was only later that I discovered the link to the menstrual cycle in my, my gateway book. I love that yours was code red. Mine was wild power. Oh, yeah. I've got that. <laughs> and, yeah. Amazing book. <laughs> amazing book. Yeah. And just like your experience of kind of opening to a new perspective. It was like, this has been here all along. I have had a cycle for decades and I didn't know this. Like I had, I really resonate with what you shared, that sense of, of anger. And it was almost a sense of like disbelief. There's so much richness to it. And anyone that's been listening to the podcast for a while knows I talk a lot about menstrual cycles. Uh, episode 10, if I'm remembering correctly, has more of a deeper dive into it. I hold the Menstrual Wise Collective. Like cycles are a big, big deal. <laughs> and so that's why I love hearing other people's connections. And I want to bring yours on the show too. So on your end and just exploring all these layers we've just been talking about, how the outer seasons of the menstrual cycle, the moon, and the seasonal year itself, how these affect our, our inner world of emotions and even the soul. I'm curious if you could yeah, speak to some of those connections a little more. Yeah, it's because it is so fascinating, isn't it? And actually just what you're saying there, that awkward gear change between winter and spring I very much feel that and I feel it in my menstru in menstrual cycle when I'm when I'm going to transition transitioning from menst menstruation to pre-ovulation that's uh yeah I have that awkward gear shift too because I like the winter energies <laughs> so <laughs> so maybe it would be I know I, I know you've talked about this before in your podcast but the same if maybe if I go through my my take on these seasonal energies and also how a little bit how they relate oh. to arch archetypal sacred feminine energies so by that i'm yeah, talking about the faces of the god of goddess so um some of your listeners may be familiar with the triple aspect goddess of maiden uh, mother and crone whereas in the work well my training and then the now the way the work i do and, and in my book i have i work with five archetypal um energies of maiden lover mother queen and crone and it's interesting how they then map to these these seasonal cycles and how they affect our inner world so so if we start with spring spring is the energy of pre-ovulation the new moon and the new crescent moon and it's the archetypal energy of of the maiden it says energies of emergence and rebirth and potential new beginnings um, creativity possibility hope the energies we're kind of moving into in seasonally here in the northern hemisphere so so that's spring and then with summer see i've got I, I see sort of two aspects to summer you have the early building aspect of summer which is pre-ovulation ovulation kind of um energy the waxing moon the lover archetype 
It's an energy of expansion and blooming and fullness, of courage and a sense of freedom and life and love of life. And then, I think this resonates and with you and your and your listeners. There's a kind of summer autumn crossover, which is a different、mm. summery energy. It's that kind of well here in the UK anyway. It's an August energy of kind of the harvest of the、mm. fruits and berries starting to appear. It's a different summer energy to the blossoming. It's the kind. It's the fullness, and that is. How I map things. That is the energy of the full moon, of ovulation, and of the mother archetype. So it's a real sense of celebration、mm. of life, of fullness of life, abundance, and and in terms of the archetypal energy, a sense of unconditional love and nurture. And then we have autumn. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's a bit, yeah, it's a little bit、I、different,、like、isn't it? Because I very much feel it. I, don't, I mean, obviously, I can speak to my. I'm I'm English. I've lived in the UK my whole life, so I definitely feel a difference. For example, between the June summer energy and August, it feels very, very different to me. So I like that kind of sort of crossover. Liminal. I like I like liminality thresholds and <laughs> liminal spaces. <laughs> so yeah, then we have autumn of premenstrual premenstrual. Excuse me, pre-menstruum, <laughs> the waning moon, and this relates to the an archetype called the queen. So this is the、um, energy of truthfulness, of discernment, of that kind of anger, which is actually a useful messenger emotion, which comes through in the pre-menstruum. This is, and、um, as I know, we're going to talk about perimenopause、mm-hmm. too. So that is the、uh, yeah, and the harvest. And also a sense of release. This is the autumnal energy, and then we move to winter, of menstruation correlation, the balsamic and the dark moon, the crone, and the this is a kind of energy of deep, deep inner connection, insight, intuition, vision, dreaming, and it's the death energy, the death energy which precedes rebirth. The spring comes again, as it does. In、um, in all of nature, whether it's the new moon or spring or yeah, the, the different phases. So we so we are constantly as you know we are part of nature. Nature is constantly going through this cycle of life, growth, fullness, release, death, and rebirth, and we are constantly going through this. And particularly as those of us who menstruate. We are very much are feeling this constant ebb and flow rhythm. Unfortunately, we live in a society which doesn't recognise it and doesn't necessarily value it. And as highly sensitive people, of course, we know we are more sensitive to our not only our external environment but also our inner landscape. And I think this is one of the real kind of the real kind of gifts here of living with cyclic awareness is that is making it that inner. Connection to the inner landscape of your feelings, your thoughts, your desires, your needs, your spiritual connection. I mean, you know, we can feel this cyclic nature of life just in our breath. Even it's there in every breath we take: the spring and summer of the inhale, the autumn and winter of the exhale. It's there each day, through day and nights, constantly cycling, and. So we're living it, we're experiencing it, and I think this can really help us to almost drop root into something in the often overwhelming, overstimulating nature of of modern life, everyday life, which is overstimulating for all of all of us who live in industrialized nations. But particularly for those of us who are highly sensitive, our you know our nervous systems are are often really can be overloaded by all the external stimuli and and just the、mm-hmm. the never ceasing nature of daily life, which is seems to be all about hustle and perpetual growth, was when we tap into the cyclic nature of life and how we feel that cyclic nature. 
can really give us a really deeply nourishing spiritual connection to, as I say, to drop anchor into something which is deeper and beyond the, the often superficial everyday hustle and bustle and can be a sense, um, can be a source of great consolation and comfort and as well as, it, as, well as inspiration. You know, so it also helps us, I think, to connect to the world of our emotions because our emotions are ever shifting and changing. And, and especially we are more likely to feel our emotions more intensely. And again, living in a culture, in cultures which, um, which are patriarchal, which don't value emotion, which shames us for being emotional. So to, to realise that our ebbing and flowing of our inner worlds and our emotional world is just part of nature expressing itself. It's, you know, just because the world tells us we shouldn't be, shouldn't be feeling ups and downs, that's just conditioning from the outside world, which, you know, which kind of suits the patriarchal, capitalistic hustle and bustle, but it isn't actually in tune with the true nature of life, which is that it is cyclic. So I think it's a beautiful way to, even if you know, whether you follow your menstrual cycle, whether you follow the lunar cycle, whether you just notice the ebbs and flows of the seasons, it is a, it is a beautiful practice of, of tuning in and uh, offering yourself compassion and understanding. Thank you for sharing all of that because it just feels so good to hear those words and they're ones that I well and truly resonate with. I've talked about this aspect of our our connection back to reclaiming, reclaiming these cycles, but I just love your, your wording, your energy, the way you brought that and tied it together. It just for my highly sensitive soul, it's just, it's still nice to hear. I could hear it every day and it could still be a useful reminder for me. So I really appreciate that. And I find that we are more and more becoming aware of how this always on culture doesn't really work that there, there is a sense of madness to it. Like, how can we expect there to be a deep well of health in it? And I do acknowledge I come from a place of privilege that I have a home, I have food, I have ways to make money in the world. And I want to recognize and, and honor that part because sometimes people are in a very different situation. And it's really deep compassion that comes up in me for that because I think of some of the different ways I've heard people suggest ways of shifting this always on, always growth mindset. And they're like, well, having a, a universal income, having the basics covered, shifting to more of a, a steady state economy instead of an always growing economy. I just finished the book Stolen Focus. Well, we're recording this a little early, so it would have been a few weeks prior. And great book. Intense book. <laughs> but I don't want to take us too far off track here. I just want to bring in this kind of some of the connections that are showing up in my my life that I, and in my current moment that I think people are starting to become aware, even if it's not super widespread. And that conversations, just like you and I are having, can just help to even add a little bit of extra momentum to that wave of, wow, it's it's okay and even necessary for me to take care of myself, that I'm deeply connected and informed in nature. There's a reason why I think pretty much, I'll hazard to say most, if not all, of the people I've worked with that are highly sensitive. I always go through, you know, what fills you up? What resources do you have? And I literally, I like that word as two parts. What helps you resource, reconnect to source? And what helps you just feel like yourself again? And most say going into nature. It's so deeply a part of us. And I think we go home to nature and go, ah, okay, this feels good. 
So I do want to recognize I have connected with a few that have a less than stellar experience out in the woods and they're like, oh, there's a little bit too much going on out there or, you know, I live in a very bare, dense population uh, area so that there are other reasons, but some form of nature or even the seasons of nature informing us. Having conversations like this to say this is actually a really normal way to live and then we get to be really creative to design this intentional life that supports our sensitivities while navigating the challenges of the modern life as you named it so I just wanted to reflect a few thoughts that showed up in my brain based on that so thanks for bringing everything in on on the cycles and be curious we touched a little bit on this but I wanted to just see if there's any other layers you wanted to bring up that how as highly sensitive we are naturally sensitive to these changing cycles and the energy of life, death, and rebirth. Death, we are really, it's not talked about as much. We're not as comfortable with it as a culture. And I, I definitely understand that there's a lot of pain and challenge when it comes to that part of a cycle. But I think it's helpful to remember it is in self a cycle. So, yeah, if you had any other layers that you wanted to bring in by just how we're naturally sensitive to this whole cycle and how honoring it is, is really essential for our, our mental and emotional health and our, our spiritual authenticity. Yeah, because the death energy has different aspects to it. And of course, there is death as in the end of, the end of a life, but there's a different sort of aspect to it around the death rebirth being that winter energy the wintry energy of the dark moon the winter energy of menstruation and that's one way we can connect to that death rebirth energy uh, is by connecting to those to those outer and inner seasons and actually that is essential for our well-being. But it's fascinating, I find, how it's so overlooked. When I first, for example, with the lunar cycle, when I first started connecting to the lunar cycle, it was um, new moon, waxing moon, full moon, waning moon, straight to new moon. Let's not mention the dark moon bit. <laughs> Let's just skirt over, jump over, darkness and and what that might what that might um stand for um and it's fascinating that in you know with winter it's culturally if we are living in cultures where christmas is a massive thing or you know different cultures which have um busyness around that time of the year in december we, it's like this is this is a you know we're we're feeling a call if we can tap into it to hibernate as well to slow down and go inwards oh, and yeah. actually for me the winter solstice which obviously equates nearest to the date of christmas i find it fascinating again having just not recently come through that how a lot of people now are honoring the winter solstice the return of the light the lights returning yes 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 the lights returning it's almost like a desperation for the light to return but actually this winter solstice is the darkest point. Yes, the light will begin to return, but we're still in the darkest part of the year. And that six weeks between solstice and embolk is like um, a void. It's a fertile void. It's, you know, let's not rush to the light so quickly. And I think as high sensitives, we, we intrinsically, we just innately sense this. Because when I first started tracking my menstrual cycle, I found I actually started to enjoy menstruation. Now, I want to put a big caveat on that, saying I know that a lot of people who menstruate experience a lot of pain, even trauma around this experience. And it's, you know, I have experienced pain myself over the years when I met through menstruation. But I was able to see it in a different, different perspective. And yeah, I just find there's something deeply healing so however we can to tap into that death rebirth energy so it could be the dark moon all through all through you know the season of winter because it's a time of inner reflection it invites us to go inwards 
which I think as highly sensitive people, we have an affinity for that. But at the same time, it can feel scary <laughs> if we haven't, we're not mm-hmm. used to doing that deep inner reflection and um, looking inwards. Um, it's a time of, as I say, it's a time of, it can be a time of deep rest, rejuvenation and insight. And I just feel collectively this skirting away from this, you know, this, this winter energy, this death energy, this void energy we're missing a huge gift of connecting to our intuition, dream and vision. And actually, as I was just speaking, there's another aspect, I think, which is being revealed by our collective fear of this winter energy, because it's in the darkness that, well, two aspects to this, actually. In the darkness, it's like there's almost the darkness, the underworld, the underworld of our own psyches we're scared to go to. And then beyond that, I think this underworld, deep darkness of the earth and roots is the energy of Mother Nature, of the goddess. So in, sever- in, in severing ourselves from this underworld connection, we are in, on a very deep level severing ourselves from connection to the divine feminine but it's kind of coming back up a notch up to the the underworlds of our of our psyches as well uh, you know it's, it's difficult to go there you know things we have often pushed down through our lives whether it's aspects of ourselves experiences traumas challenges you know we push them down into this underworld this the darkness of the psyche but it doesn't go away <laughs> you know these things are there and unless we consciously choose to engage with them i think this death rebirth energy can be very challenging i know it takes it can take help i mean i have been fortunate privileged enough to experience um therapy with a with you know to to look at my kind of woundings from childhood and there I very much felt a connection to the death rebirth goddess there it was a process of of initiation a dark night to the soul but I felt her there when I went hit my lowest sort of rock bottom and she came in to and I felt that I was held so there are many many different layers to this death rebirth energy it's very 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 complex from just giving ourselves I say just from allowing ourselves where we can to to slow down to rejuvenate in the winter energy to actually really engaging with this death rebirth potential by going into the underworld of ourselves but having said that i think when you get to perimenopause that happens whether you like it or not (laughs) 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 i'm going to get to talking about that in a minute i think (laughs) is uh shifted it's just gonna (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so it's a it's a complex and yeah and that talk about spiritual authenticity i've been in the spiritual and self-development and worlds now for over 20 years and i know i have been there myself sprinkling love and light over everything love and light love and light anger oh we don't want to go to anger it's all it's just you know just you know just love and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you know we want to choose anger over love it's not a binary choice but again to just want to rush towards the light is denying an aspect a fundamental aspect of our human um, experience um and I, I just feel that there's so much you know the, the term spiritual bypassing it's something I have seen I've done it myself I continue to see that kind of not wanting to engage with this the darker energies of fear and anger and actually sitting with them and actually to shame other people for feeling angry or to shame them for feeling depressed mm-hmm. that they should just you know sprinkle love and light over it it's not not healthy mm-hmm. not healthy at all and um yeah i think again i think as highly sensitive people we have an innate understanding of that mm-hmm but we're swimming against the tide often because 
again, yeah, we're living in cultures which just want us to be smiley and productive and mm. not to go into the the challenges and the difficulties because it's too messy. <laughs> that is really, really well put. I really appreciate how you linked all of that together. And I think in a way when we come into our challenges and our our fear, our, our anxiety, our shame, our guilt, our heavier emotions that are, are a lot harder to be with than joy and bliss, though joy and bliss can be overwhelming in themselves when they are too huge for that moment. But I kind of think of it, I love what you brought in there and I haven't heard it connected in that way of the lower that darkness like yes the underworld but also reconnecting to underneath us the roots to the earth and you think she does an incredible job of mulching composting transforming transmuting any anything i'll throw out mm. <laughs> there like this is very good at that so that just showed up in my thoughts as i'm listening to you and thinking yeah we have Definitely, this is where our window of tolerance of how much we can go into our challenges, how much we can engage with them, but how much richness is there. There is a reason why all of us gardeners love putting compost and things that are very fertile onto the garden. They help things grow. So our emotions, the challenging ones, have a lot of medicine I believe, anyway. I believe they have a lot of medicine for us and that sometimes we do really need some support to walk through them. If, yeah, appreciate you sharing. You've had a journey through therapy and looking at childhood wounds and um, said many times on the podcast, oh yeah, I, I have multiple counselors I go to and for different reasons, I have yeah, multiple people I, I work with. And there's such an interconnection between body, mind, and soul. Like those can be kind of, can almost be a, I don't know, a phrase that's a little bit, a little bit diluted now. We hear it so much, but really, truly, and I think perhaps if you're listening and perhaps you're starting to see these different pieces of, yes, the moon cycle, the lunar cycle, our menstrual cycle, the seasons of the year, the connection to our sensitivity to feel all those shifts. And then yeah, the wisdom of each season having gifts to explore these different parts of ourselves, almost like offering a container. For me, winter and especially fall, they're some of my favorite times of years. I know they're not everyone's. But I love that inner permission of an inner energy that goes, okay. Let's look at what's working and what is not. Mm. <laughs> let's, let's clear it out in a gentle way. If you watch the trees as they release their leaves, they don't do it all at once. Sure, we can have a windstorm, but by and large, it's not like you walk past a tree and it's just poof, all their leaves gone. So the same is true of our internal work. We might drop one leaf at a time. We might let go of one thing at a time. And that's useful. That's helpful. So... I really, I really yeah, appreciate your words, your wisdom, and how well you put all of that together. Because I think a lot of these aspects are talked about separately, and yet they're all part of our cyclical nature. So it makes complete sense that you'd literally write a book all about this. So no, I love it. I really love it. And you touched on something I am really excited to dive into. And that is when you mentioned perimenopause. And if we're getting into things our culture has a bit of a well, strange relationship with, that is like right up the list. <laughs> and I'd love to hear your view, an alternative view of perimenopause as a sacred rite of passage. And yeah. I'd love to hear yeah, your thoughts on it as... Yeah, as having a deep, it seems like a deep transition and a deep potential for us to step into new aspects of ourselves. So 
I am so ready to <laughs> hear what, yeah, what, whatever shows up to bring in here. Okay. The context for my, for what I um, say now is that I, my own lived experience is that I just turned 47. I, it was two years ago that the penny dropped for me that, yeah, I must be in perimenopause now because I've been tracking my cycles for since say since I was forty, and I and you know, every month I could sort of started to see the first sign for me really was well the first obvi- most obvious sign for me is that my menstrual cycle became started to get really erratic. Uh, it used to be about sort of twenty nine, pretty solid twenty nine thirty days. In fact, I kind of used to bleed with the full moon for a for a year or so actually, and then sort of. So when I was about 45, I realised. It's interesting. I, I remember, I can really remember lying in bed one morning with, and, and it just clicked in my mind. Oh my goodness, Stella, you're in perimenopause. And the first thing I thought was, but I'm not that old. And it's just this whole <laughs> weight of conditioning. It's like menopause, ah. old woman, your life's over. Nobody will be interested in you. Just came boof down on me. And that mm. is still... The, the narrative which we are sitting with. Well, either it's completely ignored, it is still a taboo in many places, it's not talked about menopause or perimenopause. So just for clarification, the perimenopause is the transition which can last for many years leading up to menopause. Menopause technically is uh, one day, it's a, it's a year after your last bleed. Mm-hmm. So, and postmenopause, there's changes around then, but I haven't experienced that, so I won't attempt to talk to talk to that. But so with perimenopause, it's you know you can start in your late thirties, subtle changes, and as I've said before, a lot of things changed for me when I was forty, and I looking back, I see that as no coincidence. I was entering into this sacred rite of passage. So the cultural narrative is menopausal women. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh gosh just 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 put them in a you know room and lock the key kind of thing we don't want to hear about it or if we are going to talk about it we're going to talk about it only in the context of hormone replacement therapy now i want to really clear, be really clear up front i am not trying to criticize or or suggest any individual woman who is taking HRT or wishes to take HRT. I'm not, I'm not in any way criticizing or questioning their decisions or their their need for it. You know, not at all. What I am interested in looking at is the cultural perspective that this that this is taking the wider picture. Of this is taking um, place in. So what I find interesting is that in the UK, at least, just within the last year, menopause is starting to be talked about but as a hormone deficiency disorder. So take HRT and go away and shut up. It's basically that how it, that's how it feels. Whereas if we're looking at the seasonal energies and the archetypal energies at play here, the soul energies, perimenopause is an autumnal energy. It's a queen archetype. And the queen is sovereign of her realm. She's an autonomous woman. So this is a sacred rite of passage, which has the ability to initiate you into your sovereign self. And beyond that is the crone. Now, the crone, I would say, is maybe sort of age 65, say age 70 onwards. So this sort of perimenopause, menopause transition, it it has the potential to be a rite of passage to initiate you into your, your, your clearest, most truthful, authentic self. <laughs> but society doesn't see it that way. Society doesn't see it that way. Society does not see it that way at all. Our, you know, our global Northwest industrialized societies, capitalistic societies. And it is, in fact, it is a, it is a process of death and rebirth. It's that death and rebirth energy. It's a descent and return. Mm. Because a part of you is dying, your old self is dying. You are transitioning from your youth into maturity, which in itself is scary to acknowledge. So I want to acknowledge that this is a challenging process. 
I, I feel over the last couple of years, I can see my, my appearance starting to change. I can feel my body starting to change. Um, and I don't want to go on a long list of symptoms because this is what society will focus on. The long list of grim sounding symptoms, which I, which I again, I'm not in any way trying to downplay that it, that it can be incredibly physically challenging to experience mm -hmm. some of the impacts of perimenopause and menopause. But it's not just about that. It's not just about that. And I profoundly believe and have experienced the fact that I'm, because I have been in, in contact with my, my menstrual cycle now for seven years, it's helped me to A, to know I'm going starting to go through this process and, and also to, to kind of be more accepting of the changes I'm experiencing because, I, because I've been connected to that monthly change. This is like the monthly changes amped up <laughs> to a huge <laughs> volume so it is like what i can know the a, um, a premenstrual phase lasting for years and years and years <laughs> which may fill some of you some of you with horror but if we look at the gift the gifts of the premenstrual phase which is being the truth teller being able to um shed what is no longer right for you or at least to be able to name it even if you can't make the changes you know it gives you the uh, insight so you know this this is such a potential for yeah for becoming ourselves becoming becoming ourselves the analogy i like to use is that it is a soul forge that you're in a kind of blacksmith's forge and you're being worked <laughs> <laughs> so because uh, as part of my priestess training actually because i'm priestess of bridget and bridget is associated with smithcraft i actually did we did work in a forge for a, just about half an hour we made a each of us in the training we made um a spiral um out of a rod of iron and it was hard work oh, <laughs> in yeah. fact i could I maybe just read you my analogy because i've written a an e a, a short ebook which people can get from my website but just yeah, about this analogy with the soul forge and smithcraft, because it really kind of encapsulates the experience of the challenge and the, the gifts of perimenopause. So let's consider the ancient art of smithcraft. In a blacksmith's forge, the smith takes her raw material of iron and plunges it into burning coals and holds it there until it becomes red hot and pliable. With care, she takes the glowing metal and hammers it on, into shape on the anvil. But the job is not complete with one visit to the fire. Oh no, she must work slowly and mindfully, moving back and forth between the fire and her anvil. Gradually, with care, she crafts the iron with the blows of her hammer, working steadily, trusting in the process, until, with its own perfect timing, the piece has been worked to completion. And this is what we are experiencing in the perimenopause rite of passage. We must allow ourselves to be worked by the process, to allow ourselves to become pliable in the fires of this soul forge, to shed the layers which no longer are in alignment with our truth, to keep going no matter how hard it feels, to trust in the process, to reform ourselves and rebirth ourselves, in our new and unique form, our soul's truth. That's where I feel like, all right, I need to do something with that. That feels the movement. I'm like, all right, that stirs something very primal in me to hear. It is intense. And I'm just a few years into it. But I can feel something, yeah changing really deeply changing the potential and talking about that energy of death and rebirth and the challenging emotions again it's I, I know I've experienced it and I see it in my peers my friends the anger and grief will be your your um your companions on this journey you know, they kind of these are the intense emotions which can come up in the pre premenstruum 
they will certainly come up during perimenopause. But anger is an emotion which tells us that something, a line has been crossed. Mm -hmm. Anger is an emotion which can be listened to rather than pushed down. So actually I see anger as one of the gifts of perimenopause. I am proud to say I am an angry perimenopausal woman. <laughs> There's a lot to be angry at. And it can be an anger at the level of looking at what you've experienced in your own life and the wounds or the, you know, the challenges, you know, that, yeah, the level of the individual. And there's also the anger at the level of looking outside at the world and what's going on, particularly mm -hmm. as if you're, uh, you know, if you're a woman, a person of colour, you're, uh, you know, a marginalised identity, you know, you look around you and you see what patriarchy and white supremacy has done and is continuing to do. And of course, you're going to get angry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a beautiful analogy, which is not mine, so I do not claim it. I heard this in a podcast with um, Australian teacher um, and writer, Jane Hardwick Collins. And she uses the analogy of the veil. There's a veil which comes down over you at Meloki, your first bleed, and it's the veil of oestrogen. And the veil of oestrogen mm -hmm. makes you amenable and put other need, others' needs first to want to help people and care and you know, beautiful things to do. But perimenopause, that veil starts to lift as oestrogen levels lower. The <laughs> veil lifts and it's like you look around you and it's like, I am livid <laughs> all of this stuff <laughs> having said that i've been pretty good at being angry a lot of my life but it's, it's a different quality now actually it's like a righteous anger um yeah so i love that analogy that the veil of oestrogen lifts and you and the the people pleaser aspect of you which i know a lot of highly mm -hmm. sensitive people can really have kind of always been trained to be you know people pleasers and and I very much include myself in that. But now I find myself kind of saying things like, ooh, I would have said that a few years ago. <laughs> I wouldn't have come on podcasts talking about this a few years ago. <laughs> that kind of thing. So there's definitely a gift in that. Absolutely recognising yeah. that to be seen as an angry woman has a lot of different levels of shame around it in our society, which can also obviously, you know, different impacts an angry white woman is seen differently and will be treated differently as an angry woman of color and there's all you know these different aspects um by mm -hmm. our white supremacist culture um but you know it does have the potent potential to be a gift mm -hmm. but you need that fierce self-compassion first to develop that to actually allow yourself to feel it and it is it is a challenge yeah, it's a challenge a container to hold some of that anger and to express it but i love i heard you say righteous anger and i was like i i do feel and actually as you bring in self-compassion too oh i'm looking on my bookshelf right now but i don't think i'm going to pull the title but there's a recent book by um kristen neff n-e-f-f exploring the need for righteous anger to change our world yeah i call fierce fierce self-compassion yeah and how much that yeah comes back to compassion so yeah i'll try and pull the uh, title and pop it in the show notes because it's evading me at the moment but i love how you brought that in that is i think necessary to name and so helpful to hear that your own experience of hey i'm in it <laughs> i'm, I'm embracing in it. it i'm in it I know, and I, and I kind of, I slightly said it sort of slightly flippantly earlier about the kind of death, rebirth, dark night of the soul going into the underworld. If you haven't got to it by perimenopause, you will, whether you like it or not. And, you know, it's, I said it slightly flippantly, but it is, it is real. I see so many of my friends who are the same age as me who have confronted, and I have myself, over the last two or three years, confronting things like unhealthy relationships and leaving their husbands or going back to kind of things they you know really traumas from childhood and it's like 
the death rebirth goddess comes knocking. So you're dealing with these kind of issues if if you can, how you however you can during men- perimenopause. So then when you actually arrive at the gateway of menopause, that you are ready to walk through it. Yeah. Yeah, I think and getting getting that support that you can even if it's through a trusted friend, even if it's through a circle in your community or through one-on-one work, but there can be some really deep layers stirred up, it sounds like, to just, yeah, come into your awareness and to go, okay, now is the time. And I'd love to, I feel like we could, we could go even deeper into this. And I know you have a lot more in this so I'd love actually I'll come to this in just a second how people can find more on the soul forge ebook you have I'm going to come back to that in just a second but I think this conversation around embracing our anger allowing anger to be a needed component in our life for the injustices of our lives the world how things have been experienced I think that needs to be heard and by everyone, not just those that feel the call to experience it. So it's really helpful you brought that in. And knowing that us as highly sensitives may experience this different again, now your answer may relate to this or not, but I ask this of every guest, what do you consider your biggest challenge of being highly sensitive and your favorite gift of being an HSP? I can't remember if my first reaction was that was to say the greatest challenge was overstimulation but actually going deeper than that my greatest challenge really actually is hypervigilance mm. so which then can lead to overstimulation mm. so I've only really come to appreciate that appreciate that in the last few years kind of really deeply appreciate that going through the kind of therapy process that I went through um, with a psychotherapist really appreciating how much actually I was stuck in hypervigilance a lot of the time and so obviously as we know highly sensitive people our Mm. nervous system is more attuned to picking up and processing things more deeply from our external and internal environments but if you experienced for example, in childhood caretaking where you didn't feel safe emotionally or physically, but even you know emotionally is very important as well. You can learn early on to be hypervigilant, to scan everybody around you, to try and kind of preempt their behavior, which is definitely my experience. So that height for me, uh, that is, and it is still a challenge, that hypervigilance, because I really can go into then into overstimulation and overwhelm my nervous system and gets utterly jangled. Mm-hmm. So it's been a you know, part of my journey is to, mm-hmm. has been to cultivate practices to, to, to cultivate a sense of safety, of returning to some kind of regulated state of my nervous system. So, yeah, so that's been the greatest challenge. And the deepest, the greatest gift is um, depth of feeling in terms of kind of being able to, I've got a, I've got a few favorite words, one of which is numinous. So numinous, N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S. That's, mm-hmm. And numinous means a feeling of the sacred or a feeling of the presence of the divine. And I really feel that that is, intrinsic to my high sensitivity that I feel that in particularly outside in woodland and and also by the sea but for me particularly in woods and forests that real sort of sense of presence of the divine and the sacred in in the natural surroundings and particularly for me in trees (laughs) and that's a beautiful gift. Yeah, I love that a lot. And I've heard the word numinous, uh, and I didn't know that was the, mm. the full definition of it or the definition of it. You know, there was a relation to the divine. There's some kind of quality there, but <laughs> I really, really like that. So I'm really glad you brought it in. And ah, we are, we, well, 
basically giving people a lot to explore, to mull over, to process, to think about, to perhaps even step into. And if people want to connect with you more, if they want to find your book, if they or books, you have more than one, and even the Soul Forge ebook, how can people get in touch with you? So the best place would be through my website, which is stellatomlinson.com. So yeah, so there you can find details of my three books. My first book is Peace Lies Within. My second book is a book of poetry called Whispers from Mother Earth. And then my most recent book is uh, Cycles of Belonging, um, honouring ourselves through the sacred cycles of life, which is the, the breath, the day, the menstrual cycle, the lunar cycle, seasonal cycle, and the, the archetypal energies I was talking about earlier. Um, and then also there, yes, you can get access to the free ebook I've created, I've written, which is called The Soul Forge, Approaching Perimenopause as a Sacred Rite of Passage. So I go a little into a little more detail about the themes I've been talking about here, about, you know, the potential for being a rite of passage and dealing with the difficult emotions of anger, as well as grief as well, actually, is another big one which comes up and um, a few ideas for sort of self-care during this process. And also, um, yeah, I've got a couple of uh, free meditations. So you can get access to that if you sign up for my soul notes, which is a fortnightly email I send out around the dark and the full moons, which I kind of share my perspectives, thoughts, writings around kind of a spiritual midlife journey in touch with the seasons and the whispers of the soul. <laughs> which I can highly recommend. I've been getting them as we've connected relatively recently. I've been getting them the last few weeks and I think they are fantastic. So thank you for sharing your words with the world. A pleasure. Really powerful. Thank you. I love the aspect on perimenopause. We really need to bring in this new conversation. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the seeds that our conversation is hopefully planning out in the world. And so that you can head to Stella's website. I'll put it in the show notes, but stellatomlinson.com. And you can get access to some wonderful writings there. So thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for sharing the connections you've made between these cycles. What are in some ways brand new for a lot of people to hear. And I feel like you're, you're really reclaiming bringing these cycles forward into our everyday life. So thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for coming on the show today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and to share my thoughts and uh, perspectives with your audience. So thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. A short reminder about the yoga and spring equinox circle coming up on Sunday, March 20th with a wonderful fellow highly sensitive soul, Carolyn. And you can find out all the details and save your spot at combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. Of course, the in-person circle information is there too, which is on March 19th. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to share it with a friend. If you feel called, it would be wonderful to rate, review, and follow the podcast so that you can hear when each new episode gets released. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day, and until next time, bye for now. <laughs>